Bookend Overtime. I'm your host, Meg. Lewis. And wow, I don't know about you, but as the weeks go on, I'm getting very giggly. I've become a baby. I have about one or two uh, Zoom meetings every day. And every time, it doesn't matter if I'm meeting a person for the first time or if it's an old friend, I start laughing at something they do so hard until I'm crying every time. It just keeps happening. And I feel like I'm experiencing everything for the first time. I don't know what is going on. I think this is what happens when I don't socialize anymore. Um, But I'll keep you updated because it's gonna get real weird on this podcast as we go along. (laughs) This week on Overtime, I blaze through every museum in the world's art collection. (laughs) I run through how unemployment and PPP loans work, and our buds Charlie and Femke from Design Life stop by to talk about side projects on top of full-time jobs, and how the heck does that work? Take your career to the next level by showing your prospective clients just how awesome you are by making your personal website with a personalized domain name. Having a personalized domain name will make you stand out of the crowd and let your audience and clients recognize your brand. So whether you decide on yourname.me or use a well-known alias like uh, bingbong.me, .me domain is uniquely positioned to help you create a captivating online persona that's a direct reflection of you. .me is trusted by almost a million people People and businesses worldwide, including, including some pretty amazing designers. So don't you think it's time for you to join them? Boop, boop. Let's get right into the news today. Okay, so Dribble launched blog posts. Launched, do you launch a blog post? They submitted one. They put up, they popped up a They popped it up. They put up a blog post about uh, (laughs) virtual museums and all that's happening there in the virtual art space. Because, wow, it's really cool that so many museums and exhibitions are going online virtually for us to enjoy. And I think that's really nice. It's a nice way to support the arts and continue expanding your worldview and your outlook on life. Uh, So... Uh, If you don't know, the MoMA, the Museum of Modern Art in New York, has an exhibition online through Google Arts and Culture, which is beautiful. It's interactive. Um, They've done a really great job. They're showing over 100 of their most famous pieces of work, um, which is modern art, mostly in contemporary art, from people like, you know, the the big hitters like Van Gogh, Gauguin, Cezanne, Cezanne. I almost said Suzanne. Cezanne. (laughs) Famous artist Suzanne. Um, I believe there are a lot of famous Suzannes out there that are also artists, so I hope that their work is also in the MoMA. And then uh, San Francisco's Letterform Archive has an online exhibition. Um, There's the Museum of Brands in London that has a packaging design exhibit right now. Then, of course, Cooper Hewitt has online stuff at the moment. Um, There's a web design museum, allegedly, according to Tribble's blog. Um, And, okay, this sounds goofy because web design already is online, right? Could you go to the web design museum in person before? I don't think so. <laughs> but now it's, you know, more important than ever to look at web design through web design's eyes. Ah, oh, beautiful, romantic. Uh, the Louvre, our buddy, the Louvre. Uh, we had the Louvre on the podcast last week as our special guest. Just kidding. Um, So if you're tired of looking at the Mona Lisa in real life, you can look at the Mona Lisa on your screen um, like me because I just like I've seen her enough times in person. It's like it's just let me see you virtually, Mona. 
Um, the Children's Museum, or sorry, I think it's called the International Museum of Children's Art, which, okay, excuse me, but it is over 100 works of art created by kids of all different kinds of medium, which is very exciting to me, someone who doesn't have kids. I don't have a single piece of children's artwork in my home. So this is just really filling that need for me in so many ways. The Neon Museum. Oh, we love to go there and post those pictures on Instagram, don't we? And we can't now, but we can post pictures of ourselves on Instagram looking at neon on our computer, which is less attractive for the gram. Um, but normally, you know, they have like a bunch of acres of museum grounds where you could bop your way through seeing different neon all lit up. Uh, in Vegas, it's a Vegas thing, but now it's online. And for some reason, you have to type in a password to look at the art, the neon online. Um, kind of like a speakeasy, but less um, alcoholy, uh, more neon. Uh, but the password is just neon. So go right in there. And then Google Arts and Culture again has launched a selection of street art, which is pretty cool. So they have um, street art up there from all over the world. And that's really, really amazing. And, uh, you know, you can just virtually feel like you're outside in public looking at art that way. And then lastly, FITM, which is the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. Why do I know what FITM stands for? It's because I went there. That is the school I have a degree from. Oh, my God. Uh, and uh, so much student debt from. But they have a very impressive collection normally in their museum of basically like iconic film costumes and old pieces from different collections over the past decades. So if you want to like go and see what Karl Lagerfeld was designing in the 80s and have a nice laugh at it or cry or I don't know, whatever emotion you want to feel, it's totally your 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 brain, your choice. Um, you can see it online, which is very exciting. So lots of options. If you love to look at art, I'm definitely the person where if you plot me into a museum. I'm that person that just breezes right through. I'm just blazing through. I'm back in like 10 minutes, like I'm done. Saw it all. Let's move on. And my friends that love art are just find me so frustrating because I just kind of walk by and look at everything and don't even take time to appreciate it. And that's my own fault. I know it's not a great quality. Um, I'm working on it. Uh, but uh, it's hard to work on this quality about myself on the internet when I'm just looking at it online because my fingers just like next, 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 next. And then I go to Twitter. Ah, it's horrible. I'm part of the problem. Okay, now let's talk about some wonderful, wonderful treats available to people who are self-employed or freelancers right now, like me. As you know, I've always been a freelancer, never had a jobby job. So I've never really a applied or qualified for unemployment in the past because that's not a thing for self-employed people. Um, but thanks to a hor horrifying, horrible global pandemic, now we can. Um, and it's important to know that if you in your work, if you're self-employed in any way, if you are affected at all work-wise by this pandemic and you are making less money, you have less clients, less work, less opportunities, you qualify for unemployment right now, which is great. That is awesome. We've never had that before. So I have absolutely no shame at all saying that I applied for unemployment because my client workload, my design work is way down. Um, most of my brand design and marketing design clients uh, have put the projects on hold or, you know, 
me as a contractor has been not really an essential expense, so they moved the work in-house. There's been a lot of stuff going on, and it's a huge bummer because I've lost a lot of money and a lot of opportunities over the last few months. Um, and luckily, I was able to apply for unemployment and got approved, and so the money is starting to roll in a little bit at a time. And that's just wonderful. So I apologize if you're not in the U.S. because I'm about to give a bunch of information on how to do this process if you do live in the U.S. So if you don't live in the U.S., I apologize, but also be glad that you're not here because things are getting rough here with our cases and it's not looking great. So listen ahead if you are in the U.S. If you're not, fast forward because we got a lot of great stuff later on in the show. But if you're in the U.S. and you're self-employed or you have a small business, you qualify and you can apply what it means is that it's a state-by-state -state thing, so you have to apply through your state. I live in Minnesota, and the, uh, my state provided this wonderful PDF kind of tutorial showing me exactly how to apply, exactly what to answer on all the questions so that my application just breezed through the system and didn't have any red flags, which was very helpful for me. But make sure you check with your state. And again, of course, I'm not an expert on this. I have done it before, so hopefully I know a little bit more than you do. But the way that it works is they calculate your base pay as a freelancer based on past tax returns, which it took them way too long to figure out how to do that. But they finally figured it out, which is great. And so now they kind of, they try to pay you half of what you normally make. Um, but of course, there's like a cap on how much you can receive, which... I, in Minnesota, at least that's $740 per week. And then I believe on top of that, there's that extra $600 we keep hearing about from the federal government, which is just like a little treat from the feds. Uh, thank you, I guess. And, <laughs> but I mean, 600 plus 740 a week is amazing. That is great. That is so helpful for us right now. And for me, what you have to do, and I think for everybody, you have to go in every week and report exactly how much you made that week and how many hours you worked. So that way they can calculate if you deserve the full amount every week or if you deserve a little less or if you deserve nothing, which is sometimes what I get. So for me, I have a lot of streams of passive income. Thank glob because <laughs> my goodness with all the online classes and the coaching and the shop sales and like royalties and stuff I make from a bunch of different places money does come in every week that's outside of my client design work which is gone so there's a lot of stuff that I do that still allows me to make money which is great but I have to make sure I'm very honest about that and report that every single week to the government so that way they can calculate how much I get in unemployment the following week and of course, if you report the wrong number, you ended up making more come tax time, then you have to pay them back. And that's my worst fear. No, thank you. There's also the Paycheck Protection Program, the PPP, the PPPL, P PPL, the peep, <laughs> the peeps. Oh, gosh. Okay, so that program is a possibly forgivable loan, depending on what you spend the money on. And it works as well for self-employed people. So 1099 contractors, self-employed people, if you have an LLC, if you have an S-Corp, it doesn't matter. You don't have to have payroll employees to qualify for this loan, which I did not know until almost too late. But it's very confusing to apply. You have to apply through your bank and then the banks give out the money. So I found the most helpful article I could find and it was through Bench, bench.co, which is like in a bookkeeping service. Um, and they have a lovely, just free advice blog post about exactly how to calculate your loan amount as a sole proprietor or as somebody who's self-employed or even if you have an LLC and then how to 
fill out the application properly. And it's very helpful where this is such a complicated thing. And apparently it's very easy to apply wrong. And then you will lose the money because they keep running out of money because everyone needs help. So it's important that you read through this article, find other resources of information, maybe have an account or a professional look over your application before you submit it to make sure you're doing it correctly because they're going to run out of money so soon. By the time this podcast episode launches, they might have run out of money. So just keep checking, but hopefully they'll just like keep replenishing the money. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but let's not panic. Let's be in control of what we can control, which is applying for these things if you need the help. And again, these loans, it could be like $10,000, $15,000, $24,000, however much you qualify for. They can be forgivable, which means you don't have to pay them back unless if you basically use the money on approved number of things. So it's like mortgage payments or rent payments or paying employees and that sort of thing. So for me, I have a workspace that I have to pay rent on that I can't really afford right now otherwise. So this loan is going to be largely helpful for me to pay that rent now, which is definitely needed. So you have control of your situation in some regards. It's just so confusing. So search on the internet, find what you need to know for your bank's PPP process your state's unemployment application process because it's rough out there and we all need some help. And if we can get it, go apply for it and fight for yourself because you deserve some money. You deserve some help right now. I sure do. We all do. But don't you dare feel shameful about applying for unemployment or applying for a loan. You know, we're all struggling out here and I am happy, happy to share this information with you and tell you that I've had to apply for it myself because it is rough out there. No one is hiring. Nobody's paying for design work right now. It's very hard. It's hard to get work. Um, I've seen some people doing really well during this time. I've seen most people doing not doing so well right now, and it's hard. So reframe this in your head as you taking advantage and utilizing something that's available to you. And try to think of the silver linings here. If you can take some of this unemployment money, if you can grab this loan, it will hopefully help you stay afloat so that you can pay your bills and then utilize the time that all of this free time you have that you used to spend doing work and utilize it to finally do some of those things you've been putting off for so long. For me, I had all kinds of stupid, weird videos and funny, dumb ideas that I had in the back of my head for years, but it didn't seem important enough to do because I never really had enough time every week. It was on my to-do list for weeks and weeks and weeks, years and years and years. And I never got around to it because I didn't feel like I had the time because I had so much client work and so much other stuff going on. And now <laughs> if you go on my Instagram account, you'll see I'm doing it. I'm doing it now because I have more free time. I'm doing all this stuff that is really helping further my career and further my voice in the way that I've been wanting to this whole time, but I haven't had time to do it. So I know it's easy for me to just be like, hey, do the stuff now whenever your brain is on fire. And if your brain's on fire, that's okay. Take care of your brain first and then get to action whenever you can possibly do so. Um, I don't want to be one of those people that's like, just do it with no regard for your feelings or your brain space. Um, but yes, find the silver linings, please. Don't feel ashamed. Don't feel bad about your situation. It's nothing personal on you. It's the way the world is right now. And do whatever you can. Do whatever you can to find those silver linings.
Well, aren't we lucky? Today on the podcast, we have a couple of special guests. These two are designers in the tech industry, both on the product and marketing side. And in addition to having very successful careers with full-time jobby jobs, they also have a number of very successful side projects and a podcast together. It's Femka and Charlie from Design Life. Hello, Charlie. Hello, Femka. How are you? Hi. Hi. Doing good. As good as can be. I love that because it's still giving somebody the nice, good response that they're expecting from you, (laughs) but also it's acknowledging the garbage situation. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what I want to know, first of all, is I want both of you to just kind of explain what it is that you do as individuals, and then we'll also get into what you do together. But uh, Fimka, why don't you go first? What do you do for work? So I am a product designer, and I currently work at Uber on Uber Eats. So I work there full time, have been there for about three years now. And on the side, I run a podcast with Charlie. It's called Design Life. That's why we're here. We're super excited. And I also have a YouTube channel that's all about design and research. So my podcast and my YouTube channel are kind of my two main side projects that I have at the moment. Amazing. And we will dissect that later on. Charlie, explain to us what you do. Well, I'm also a designer, surprise, surprise, Um, but I'm a marketing designer. So I am an in-house designer within the marketing team of a tech company. The company I work for is called ConvertKit. We make email marketing software. Um, I'm the lead marketing designer there. And on the side, like Femke, have a podcast, also have a YouTube channel. I've been making YouTube videos for about six and a half years now. Wow. Um, Yeah, long time. Amazing. There's a lot of my life cataloged in video. It's quite scary to think about. (laughs) But yeah, that's that's my main thing that I've been doing on the side. I also just, I don't know, see myself as a creator in general. So there's always ideas that I want to act on and, and try and make things. So yeah, that's me. So it's just, you both do so much. And I know that I always, whenever I explain on paper all the things that I do, usually everyone's response is like, oh my gosh, how do you have time for all of that? And for me, it's very easy. Like it, I don't even think about that at all. I'm, time management isn't something I think about and really dissect because I'm just enjoying everything I do. But what do you both say to that question? Because I'm sure you get it a lot too. Of like, how do you have time for a full-time job in addition to squeezing in all of this other stuff in your free time? How do you make the time for that? Yeah, well, I think first you have to enjoy that side project stuff that you do. Like you mentioned, it's if you have that enjoyment, it's easier to make that time to put into the side project. And I say make that time in particular because it's impossible to find time, right? Like you're never going to find time. There's always going to be some something else that you could be doing or you're going to get busy with something else. And so we really like to look at it as making time for those things that you really enjoy. And for us, that's side projects. So when you have this natural passion and enjoyment for something and you're willing to make the time for it, so make a few sacrifices here and there, carve out time in your day, then it's easier to to make that time to, to actually show up and put that effort into your side projects. Charlie, anything else to add? Yeah, I I totally agree that it's all about making time. And I think it's also about making choices as to what you're going to focus on and what ideas you're actually going to act on. Because as creative people, we have so many ideas and it's just impossible to act on them all. So you've really got to pick your favorites um, and pick a version of doing that idea that works for you. So with my YouTube channel, for example, um, a lot of YouTubers 
I don't really like that word, but you know, we'll use it because everyone understands it. Um, they'll be everywhere, you know, like they'll be re-uploading the video to Facebook. They'll be trying out TikTok right now and like really trying to get their content all over the place. I don't have time for all that. Um, I like making videos. I like building audience and connecting with people on YouTube, but I can't be on all the social medias. And so I don't try to be. And I just accept that maybe my YouTube channel won't grow as far because of that, because I'm not being everywhere like these other YouTubers are, but um, I'm still enjoying it. And that's the most important thing to me is that I continue to enjoy my side projects. Yeah. And you both have made such a great point about sacrificing and making intentional choices about what to do with your time, because I think we're just as humans, we're so used to comparing ourselves to other people. So me as a designer, if I look at either of you, I am immediately going to think about how you affect me. And so I'll think like, oh, how, you know, how does Femke and Charlie both, how do they have time for YouTube channels on top of all the stuff that they're doing and having a podcast that's really successful? And I don't know, mine isn't as successful. And like, I I can't even get one YouTube video up. And, and (laughs) I think it's important to remember that we're all doing that. We're all thinking that whenever we look at each other and we're all assessing and getting jealous in other ways. We're just comparing ourselves to other designers and creatives Absolutely. and other humans um, and noticing what they have that we don't have. And it's really just a matter of what we're spending our time on, right? Because we do all have the same amount of time in our day. And so, of course, I might look at somebody who has an amazing portfolio site and be like, ah, why isn't my portfolio site that good? But that's just because they spent more time on these portfolios. (laughs) I think also like another thing you hear about a lot is the overnight success. And like Charlie mentioned earlier in this, she's been doing her YouTube channel for seven years. Like it's easy to come and look at this now and, and think that we just achieved success overnight and, you know, we had to do barely any effort. But we've been doing our podcast for five years now. Charlie's been doing her YouTube for seven. Like this has taken time for us to get here. You have to put in the time and the patience to get to a point like this. And also we like to talk about um, like choosing what you say yes to and what you say no to. So every time you say yes to something, you are inadvertently saying no to like an infinite list of other things, you know, because I get feel that too, make like completely feeling jealous of other designers about the cool work they're doing. For me, it's like when people make little microsites for cool projects, I'm mm. like, oh, I want to be able to make that sort of thing. Yes. That's so fun. <laughs> um, so when I when I think about that and I'm like, okay, why aren't I doing that? It's well, because I'm doing all this other stuff that I'm enjoying and I don't want to give any of it up and more time isn't going to magically appear out of nowhere. So I have to be okay with the things that I'm saying yes to, um, accepting that it means saying no to some other stuff, unfortunately. Yeah. And I actually, I have a wonderful list of backup ideas of all these things I want to do someday, (laughs) but I don't have the time to do them now. And so if something happens, like, I don't know, a world global pandemic, where I end up (laughs) with more free time than usual, (laughs) I then can, I I, I look and I'm able to find a silver lining because I'm able to find like this list that of all these things I didn't have the time to do before. So anytime like I have a break in my schedule or uh, maybe I don't get client work for a while and I start to panic, I can just take it as a wonderful thing and a wonderful opportunity to finally get to some of these things I didn't have time to do before, which I think is great. So I would like to talk with both of you about why you keep starting more things. Like, why do you do this stuff (laughs) in your spare time? (laughs) What is at the heart of this? Let me be your therapist. So starting side projects outside of having a full-time job, even if the full-time job itself is like rewarding and enjoyable, do you think that you start new things or you create these side projects to kind of 
feel more fulfilled? Absolutely. I think that there's there's things you need, like as a creative person, there's things you need to like fill your creative buckets and your creative soul, you know, and you can't always get them all from your job, uh, from this one thing. You shouldn't expect them all to come from one place. So for me, one thing that my side projects fill for me that my job doesn't is the teaching side. I like to connect with other people and share my process and be be teaching people about design and and watching them get it and understand it and feel like I'm helping that's not something I do through work. You know, I'm using my design skills there um, on our website and making cool things, but I'm not teaching as such. So the side project is fulfilling me in that way and adding something that my full-time job doesn't, which is why I don't freelance on the side because like I'm getting my fix of design and it's fulfilling me at my job. So I don't need to do that on the side. I can spend my time on other things. Yeah. I think it also helps for me be like an extra creative outlet. Like if I have an idea and I want to try something new or see how this works or challenge myself or learn something, you know, my side projects are a nice place for me to be able to do that. And it's kind of risk-free, you know, I'm totally in control of it. I can make my own decisions. And so that's what I really like about side projects too. And a kind of uh, extra benefit that I've that has come from side projects for me has been connecting with other designers and building my network. I actually got my job at Uber through my side projects. That's how my design manager found me. So, you know, there's lots of benefits that come from having side projects. Creativity is one potential future job could be another. That's a really good point. And I think a lot of people don't do side projects because they get hung up on the fact that it's not going to make them any money. Right. And I guess I I usually, unfortunately, I'm not ever thinking about money first. (laughs) So every time I do something, I'm just like, I'm doing this because it's fun. I don't care if I make money, which is a fine ad. That's an attitude of many attitudes you can have when you do something. But I think that it's helpful to realize that maybe if it doesn't make you money right away, it always, always leads to something else. And usually almost always leads to something else that involves money. Totally. Yeah. There are so many side benefits of having side projects and money is one of many. Yes. The side benefits of having side projects. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So do you have any advice? Because I think a lot of people aren't like us where they they have ideas and maybe they don't know how to take action or they're like, I don't even know what I could offer the world. What do you normally say to people that, first of all, are just sort of like, I don't know what I can offer? Do you have any tips that you usually give those people? Yes. I think that every single person on in the whole world has something to offer. And usually we feel like we don't because we're comparing ourselves to others or we're feeling like, oh, there's already someone who's better at this than me. So what's the point of me putting it out there? Um, I think a great place to start when you're not sure what to be making and what to be producing is to think about what you've learned recently and or something you're really good at that you could teach other people. Because there is always someone who is like a couple of steps behind where you are who can benefit from learning from your experience of this thing. You don't have to be the best person at like web design, we'll just use that as an example, to be teaching someone else about how you personally do it. Because you just never know like your teaching style, the way you show something or explain something could be the thing that makes it click for someone. I love that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think another place you could look is what is something that you wish you had when you were 
studying or, yes, or love three that. years ago or when you were X, you know, and think about maybe a gap that you saw back then or something that you would have found really helpful and use that as an opportunity to explore further and see if there's something that you could offer in that area. And like Charlie said, you don't have to be the expert. You know more than someone else on this planet. So if you can help at least one person, it's worth doing. Exactly. I actually just learned recently, somebody told me that because our culture right now, everybody wants they want knowledge instantly, like they want the results so quickly. And so you're actually more relatable to most people if you look like you're just one step ahead of them. Mm -hmm. So they can have what you have, like, very quickly. So if you appear to be some sort of like, the highest level expert, then it's not as applicable or appealable to people because then they feel like they can't be you for another like 10, 20 years. But if you approach them as a human that's on their level and give them like basic information that helps them to get where you are quicker or at least allows them to feel like they can have what you have soonish, <laughs> then that's more palatable for people. So I I think what you said, Charlie, about um, learning what you're just a little bit more knowledgeable at than most people are is a great, great prompt. Totally. Well, thank you both so much for being here with us today and chatting a little bit about side projects. I hope this was the sort of kick in the pants that people need to at least get something started because now is a rough time in human history. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to give people as much assistance as possible so that they can feel a little bit better about themselves right now. And I think that this was a great conversation for people to hear. So let's go one at a time. Charlie. Where can we find you on the internet? Well, you can find me at charliemarie.com. It's my website. Be careful, though, because Charlie has no E on the end of it. I like to be difficult in that way. (laughs) Um, Search Charlie Marie TV on YouTube if you want to see some videos. I make vlogs of, like, my process and my work life, essentially, that... I mean, that's another point that things you might find really boring, other people might find really interesting because people seem to really like them. So, I mean, that's great. Um, I also love hanging out on Twitter. So if you want to connect, chat to me there. I'm at Charlie Prangley. Excellent. Thank you. And Femka, where can we find you? Yeah, you can go to my website, femka.design. My name is spelled F-E-M-K-E. And you'll find links to my Twitter and everything there. And if you want to see my videos on YouTube, you can just search Femka Design and it should come up. It's all about product design and research. The podcast is a design podcast led by Charlie and I, Two Women in Tech. And we talk a lot about design and side projects for motivated creators. And we have an episode most Mondays. So you can tune in anywhere you get your podcast, probably where you're listening to this show. Uh, just search for Design Life FM and you'll find us there. Yes. And it's so great because you go further in depth than anything we have time to do on this podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> I think if people like some of the topics that we cover on this podcast, your podcast is obviously the next listen for people to hop into. Thank you. Well, thank you Thanks. both so much for being here. It was great having you. Yay. So fun. Thank yeah, you so much. for the chat. You are all the best. We have been getting so many calls into our hotline and I love listening to the voicemails. I've been having the best time and I just want to play another one for you this week. And it's just the kind of voicemail call I like to hear. So take it away, caller. So if you were to choose a day to celebrate National Make Your Logo Smaller Day, which day would you choose? January 1st being the smallest uh, numerical date. February 28th being the last day of the smallest month or May 1st being the smallest uh, handwritten uh, with the full month name? Um, Or would you choose 
uh, another date that would be more appropriate for National Make Your Logo Smaller Day. Okay, this is the exact kind of question I want to hear from you. Uh, please do not hesitate for calling in with weird questions. Okay, so if we're going to create a National Make Your Small Logo Smaller Day, which day? And those options, my multiple choice options were so confusing and I love it. I think I'm going to go with the smallest, most confusing handwritten day and month combo, which is May 1st, because I think that's the most confusing answer. And I like the concept of people having conversations saying, what, why is make your logo a smaller day on May 1st? And then the other person has to explain that it's the smallest handwritten day plus month day of the year. <laughs> it's so silly. I also enjoy that it's make your logo smaller day and not make your logo bigger day. But I guess when I think about it, every day is kind of make your logo bigger day. So it's nice to have all the logos smaller, just as a treat to us all. So please keep these calls coming because I love them. They make my week. It's so great to hear your voices. I listen to every single one and I love them so much. The number is one eight three three D E Z I G N Z. That's one eight three three design spelled weird with Z's. Call the hotline and just tell me what's on your mind. You can talk to me about how sad you are, how worried you are, how great you're feeling, despite all the chaos of the world, how giggly you're getting along with me. I feel like you can hear that I'm smiling in my voice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a magical time for me right now oh i need to go take a cold shower <laughs> and that's it for this episode of dribble over time i'm your host chuck mcnibbins uh aka meg lewis and uh if you want to find me on the internet my handle is at your buddy Meg or go to MegLewis.com and uh, this is about as low as my voice goes so please like and subscribe to the podcast uh, listen wherever you listen to <sighs> I can't do it anymore um, subscribe and listen to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts or at dribble.com slash overtime and hang out with us on the internet I'm on the internet all the time too often really alright bye hear me next week <laughs> <laughs>